Oh, Miles. It's been a while, my friend. Here we are, back in the saddle. Tristan, it's great to be with you. It's been almost two weeks since the Seahawks hired head coach Mike McDonald, and Seattle has not received a single podcast, a single opinion about this hire. I'm so glad we're finally able to give it to the people. You got to give the people what they want, and uh, that's what we're going to try to do here, Miles. A big week. I mean, it's crazy, this process of moving on from Pete Carroll, who we both love, and you you go through, it's almost like a, I don't know, it's almost like any mourning or grieving process, you know, like you go through the first part of like, I can't believe Pete's gone, I love Pete, and now we suddenly find ourselves, okay, what's next, Who who's the next person we're going to date, what's this going to look like, you know, what's the dating scene out here, and then suddenly you see Mike McDaniel across, McDo- oh crap. Mike McDonald or McDaniel? Holy, I've already done it. McDonald, McDonald, McDonald. Oh, man. <laughs> it's already off the rails. You see Mike McDonald across the bar, and you start making eyes at him. And the next thing you know, you're you're showing pictures of your kids to him. You're telling him all about your family. Next thing you know, he's he's having Thanksgiving with you. And that's how quickly these emotions change. It moved quite fast. I mean, they had a first date together and uh, went so well, he decided to move across the country for six years after that first date. So it's it's maybe the greatest first date in history because the Seahawks were dating around for quite a long time. As far as the NFL is concerned, you, you can't stay single forever in January and February. But wow, that first date happened and suddenly 24 hours later, he's... He's moved across the country and it just happened. So talk about love at first sight. Matchmaker Monday, as we were discussing last time, you know, uh, a few days before Valentine's Day here. It it really happened. Um, You know, the other funny thing about it. Well, I'll just say this. Like, I've never dated someone with their own private jet. So it could be that I would move much faster, too, and, and be a lot faster to commit if I was dating someone that said, like, hey, you want to come back to my state? and um. Like, we can just jump on my jet. You know, it's like we, we don't even have to buy a first class ticket, anything like that. Like, I, I got a jet ready to go. We just tell them where we want to go. It would be like, um, I don't know, like like dating Tony Stark or something, I guess. I don't know. You're just you could you can do whatever you want. I, the analogy, I think the dating analogy is already it's really off the rails as well with old McDonald. Um, we, we've had the Legion of Boom in the past. I was workshopping this privately. Um, oh, good. Coach Mack and the sack attack. What do you think? Whoa. It, it doesn't quite, it's, there's something missing a little bit, but I think I'm down. I think I'm barking up the right tree. Yeah. I'm just excited for it. You said this before, McDonald nuggets is that's, you know, what's, what's our McDonald nugget of the week. I think that's going to be great. Um, okay. So it is right now, 5.03 PM. Um, Monday, February 12th, um, you and I have had some time to think through this a little bit, right? So how long has coach been our coach? He's what, 10 days into the job, I think at this point, maybe 11 days into the job. Um, this is what we know again, because the, the thousands of people, uh, probably at this point, millions listening to us right now across the world, um, Maybe even a few folks in the International Space Station. We don't know. We have no idea. I mean, it's very possible. Uh, we can assume, though. 
and they're probably using a VPN. So it probably is showing that they're, they're listening from, from Houston. Um, Express uh, VPN, by the way, is sponsoring this podcast. If you need secrecy in your life, Express uh, VPN is is your it's, it's your perfect fit. Um, so, if you think about the time frame, though, so we've had eleven days to kind of digest the Mac attack, and now suddenly we have a defensive coordinator to talk about. Um, I believe so on Friday. So the Friday before the Super Bowl, the announcement came out that Ryan Grubb was going to be the offensive coordinator. We got a new offensive line coach and we both were able to listen to the latest interview with coach with Brock and Salk today. So there's a lot of new good information kind of at our fingertips. Maybe let's just start with the basics, Miles, like your initial reaction to the news of this hire, a hire, by the way, let me toot your horn for you. You're one of the, you are the first person to say they should, I would love for them to pursue McDonald. Like this is the guy I want. And I was like, who are you talking about? So you were way ahead of me on this. What was your first reaction to the news of Mike? Let's just start there. Great question. So I can't tell if I'm totally in tune with the Seahawks or completely out of tune because we recorded a podcast immediately after Game 17 of the season where I said, I'm in love with Pete and Gino as the long-term uh, spiritual and on-field foundation of this team. And then they uh, retire Pete a few days later to my shock and horror. But I did see, and I wish I, uh, my phone's in the other room right now, but I did look back. And there was a, fo- a text that I sent you on January 10th, over Ooh. a month ago, when I said, Coach McDonald, I think I said Mike McDonald, I did not say Mike McDaniels. I said Mike McDonald would be the only guy to make me feel a little bit okay about all this. So to me, McDonald was the best candidate available. Well, here's what I'll say. I was astonished that Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick were not being considered as head coaching candidates, but they found the guy who is who ha- gives the Seahawks the best chance to have another 15-year run. Pete Carroll couldn't say that. Bill Belichick couldn't say that. This was the best candidate out there to have another f- a, another 15-year length chapter of Seahawks football. And I appreciated that they took their time. It felt like a long time throughout January as it was happening. I think they hired him on January 31st. That was, that was three weeks. It felt like a long time, but it occurred to me that if a team misses the postseason, the coach or the GM is never sitting there going, we didn't have time in January. Yeah. Our, Jan- our time in January and February ran out. So we couldn't, you would be like, what? That is so long ago. <laughs> Don't make any, that would be a terrible excuse. So of course the time in January and February, it is valuable, but it also doesn't make or break your time. You know, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's so I, you know, I felt that way as well. Even, even as fans and media and Twitter were kind of going nuts. Like, why haven't we gotten our guy yet? That was kind of my first thought. I was like, what? I would rather them take their time and trust the process. And John's been around for a long time. I, I had a sense that he had a plan. And it, it appears that Mike was kind of always the plan for um, for this search. So I'll just echo your words real quick. And then we can, we can kind of move on maybe to the next chapter of this. Um, my first take on it, once I was able to sit down and really think about it for a while is exactly what you said about 
this is long-term thinking for the future, right? So maybe John would sit here and tell us, dude, Bill Belichick would have been an awesome hire, like for the next two or three years. I'm not looking for that. Like I'm looking for the next guy that I'm looking for my Mike Tomlin who can be the coach here for a long time, which I, I think that's the dream of dreams, right? That you hire a young coach like Tomlin or like McVay. And now they're your guy for the next 14, 15, whatever years. Um, and, and so I like that. I also now not to jump the gun, but I also like one of his statements during his press conference where he said, when they asked him about an offensive coordinator, they said, the guy I'm looking for is someone who is going to be here long-term and, and, and make a mark on the way the Seahawks play offense, like basically create Seahawks football. Like what is it, what does it mean to be an offense for the Seahawks is, is the vibe I got from him where I'm looking for someone to build something from the ground up. And I kind of like that too. Like, so I, I liked his messaging and the messaging in general, which it's, I guess it's kind of like what John Schneider said, this is the future. And I think maybe John meant that in a few different ways, you know, um, you know, Mike Daniel, Mike McDonald, holy moly, he like his style, he's young, you know, the, he's the future of the NFL, these new young uh, uh, head coaches, but also, um, like this is the future of our organization long term. Like we're going to build into something that's going to be, um, I don't want to say uh, novel, but something that's going to be dynamic in Seahawks football. You know, so I, I don't know. I I like that messaging because it was all about future. It was all about where we're going. Absolutely. Usually, teams after they release a coach, they usually go to the other side of the ball. For like a change of pace. If it was an offensive guy, they go defense and vice versa. Yeah. I, th I think the Seahawks and Schneider really nailed it with this coaching search, realizing the side of the ball of their background wasn't as important as the type of personality that was coming at you from the head yeah. coaching position. I think that was what was important in terms of them. If they were going to move on from Pete Carroll, which you know, it's, it's happened now they needed somebody, a, a different type of personality to come in. So I, I think it was wise of them to not just uh, focus on the offensive side of the ball, you know, uh, because we had a defensive guy for so long, which is just what usually happens. Yeah. Just the, the flip flop of it. You know, it, it's funny as you're talking, one thing that, um, that Brock mentioned that I really disagreed with. Um, and I, I love Brock and typically agree with what he says, but when when I first heard his name be brought up like around the general media, so way after you brought it up, his name started getting, you know, popped up as as options. And um, and Brock mentioned he's like, man, I don't like the idea of Mike because he comes from a, such a strong coaching culture. He's coming from John's culture and Jim's culture, the Harbaugh culture, and like they do it their own way. And he, but Brock basically kind of said, like, Mike. Mike was a cog in that culture. And I, I think that with all due respect to Brock, who's a super smart dude and, and a, a great analyst and, and talk show host as well. I think that's the wrong way to look at it because to, to say like, that'd be like saying like, well, you know, this person was only successful because they worked at Microsoft. It's like, well, yeah, maybe, but also like, you know, maybe being around that culture was a good thing for them in their career. And it helped them build into something new. I think looking at a hire like this, it, to me, it was always a massive positive that he's coming from that Harbaugh culture because I've never seen 
a, a Jim or a John Harbaugh led football team that I didn't like the way they played. You know, I mean, I've, I spent plenty of time hating Jim Harbaugh because he was the 49ers head coach, but it was very much like, um, uh, that famous line from Anchorman, you know, I hate you, but no, you know, I, damn it. I respect you. You know, it's like, uh, what was that? Is that uh, a famous so, line from Anchorman or, or the a deep cut from Anchorman? I thought deep I... cut, probably a deep cut. It was a great. It's a great from. Uh, I can't remember his first name. Something Mantooth. Uh, we'll 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 get the 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 audience will uh, text in uh, what the name is, but it's um it's a great line. I hate you, Ron Burgundy, but damn it, do I respect you? Um, but that's how I always felt about Jim Harbaugh. So the idea of having. Um, someone who's been in both of those Harbaugh systems, he's been around that legacy of coaching. I think that's a really good coaching tree. I mean, and I, I don't know which tree quote unquote he belongs to, but I'm happy with him either way, John or Jim, I'll, I'll take it. You know, I got the impression that Mike McDonald was just so motivated to be motivated to be a football coach that he's just kind of motivated to do his own thing. I, I almost think of him as, as treeless in a way, which is maybe not the right way to think about it. He was with the Ravens for just about a decade. Uh, one of the reasons I was so excited about him from the start, though, is so he was the coordinator in Baltimore for two seasons, just two seasons. And both of those teams were among, I looked at all the teams in the last decade and their points per game allowed. So the best defenses of the last decade, they're not going to look like the best defenses of all time because more points are being scored. But uh, in 2022, his first year, 22nd best defense of the last decade. It's out of 300 like team seasons, right? 32 yep. times 10. 22nd in 2022 and 7th in 2023. That's that's off the start. That's getting things started uh, to finish top. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. And big shout out to Leslie Frazier, new yeah. assistant head coach. I did not remember Leslie Frazier working with the Ravens before, but he worked with Mike McDonald way back in the day. Leslie Frazier and the 2019 Bills are number five on that list. I'll take it. Hello. You know, I I think that speaks to something too, though. They only worked together one year, right? As far as I could see. That's That's what it looked like to me as well, yeah. I think that speaks to something, right? Like that Leslie Frazier would come and and be the assistant head coach. And he did it because like, yeah, I know Mike. And he said that, like, I, I wanted to work with Mike again. That kind of speaks to something, I think. The idea that um, that a guy like Leslie Frazier is going to go out of his way, come all the way to Seattle, specifically to work with a guy that he's worked with one year. Like how Eight many years people, ago? Yeah. Like how many people have you worked with a decade ago that you're like, wait, I get to work with Bob again? Yeah, I'm in. Like, let's go. Like that, there's some cool respect there. And I mean, Leslie... I love the idea of bringing in an older coach like that, that that's been around, that understands how to be a head coach, understands how to be a, a, a defensive coordinator, um, can hopefully help. And Mike talked about that pretty openly, like hopefully just help with some pitfalls, you know, like, uh, yeah, I wouldn't do that. And here's why, man, like I, I have already made that mistake or this works really well when you, you know, communicate this way. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a really cool hire. I was very happy with the Leslie Frazier. What do you um what do you think of the Englishman that we have uh, calling the plays on defense? Aiden Dirty out of the Dallas Cowboys coaching their defensive line. That actually brings me to my first uh this is not 
it's maybe more of a lump than a full McDonald nugget, but it was it was a theme that I heard come up in in what he's said to the media so far, and that is his Mike McDonald has has some a very flexible mind. He's he he was asked I think today on the radio by Brock and Salk about potential changes to the roster. His his he, he said he didn't know yet, and it it felt like an honest answer because I, he hasn't really had the time, I don't think, to evaluate the twenty twenty three Seahawks in the way he really wanted to. And so, yeah, he doesn't really know. In his opening press conference, he talked about kind of having a scheme of no scheme is kind of a theme that keeps on coming up. Like his way of designing the defense is to design it to attack the offense he's going against that week. And I noticed this came up when he was talking about Aiden Dirty as well, because I was looking back at it to see any connections, any 2016 with the Ravens possibilities. And these guys, these two guys have not worked together in any capacity. And it seemed like McDonald really went into the defensive coordinator interview search, both coordinator searches, with a tremendous flexibility of mind and was was ready to be impressed by uh, whoever spoke to him as as the most impressive candidate, as opposed to just going completely with his friends, you know. So I feel yeah. like it's a great positive that he's got this mentor in Leslie Frazier, but then he's not just going to keep it within within the, within the same house and go with somebody he worked with in Baltimore or Michigan. Um, so that's that's what I noticed with Aiden Dirty that McDonald's. It, I think they're meeting each other today for the first time. I think Dirty is like on his way to Seattle for the first time. So these guys have met in person, but they've made this incredible commitment to one another uh, to continue Matchmaker Monday. And I, I just really, I, I'm optimistic about it because it's like, yeah, the, you know that that Dallas defensive line was a menace, and I, I'm really glad that he he reached outside of of his maybe comfortable network to to get a, a name we couldn't have predicted. It seems very unique. I love the point, man. And it's interesting that in 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 how you just described that, he has a mix, is what you just said. Like a mix of people he knows and people he doesn't know on the staff. And I'm sure that will continue. Um, that is very different. And by the way, what I'm about to say, I'm not saying one way is better or worse than the other, but it's two very different ways about approaching the same job. That's very different than, say, a Raheem Morris, like within a couple of days, Heem had his entire staff taken care of for Atlanta. Dan Quinn was the same way. Like within a couple of days, it's like, yep, here are my guys. Bam. Like, and there's something to be said for that, right? Like, that's pretty cool. It's like, hey, I have these relationships. I know all these people. I know exactly who I want. Bam, bam, bam. We we got the relationship already. We're off to the races. Um, the open-mindedness, I think, in life can be an unbelievable uh uh advantage and benefit to you, but it can also, it can hurt you, right? I mean, there's moments when you learn something when you're open-minded. So it'll be interesting to see how this works out. And I think Ryan Grubb is the same way. I, I didn't get the impression that he knows Ryan Grubb super well. I think he just is like, yeah, this this is the sort of guy I'm looking for. So first time head coach, I mean, there's, I think one thing that we all have to like accept, he is a first time head coach. Like, there are mistakes he has never made that he is going to have to make like everyone in every job. And that's a little scary. Like we're going from a guy who knows every pitfall to a guy who is going to learn for the first time. And that means there has to be growing pains. Like 
if if there are no growing pains, then we're in real trouble because that means that you know he's going to be the same guy today that he would be ten years from now, which would be a terrible thing, right? We we want him to get better over the next ten years, but it means that he's a rookie head coach, and by the way, he has a rookie defensive coordinator and a rookie offensive coordinator in the NFL. So that's pretty that's pretty wild. It is it is wild, and I so. I, I felt a tremendous difference, and, and it's – so, okay. McDonald seemed to have the same very open-minded approach, reaching outside the network to hire both Aiden Dirty and Ryan Grubb. And I, d- I do appreciate that there's this mixture of guys he knows and an open-mindedness to attract to, – to really listen in interviews to guys he doesn't know. Yeah. I'd love to hear these interviews. What, I oh, mean, yeah. What, what are they talking – I mean, that first interview between Schneider and McDonald – how long was I mean that's a that's a fifty million dollar conversation right there. I mean that is crazy. crazy. Yeah. I'm very I'm very curious what they actually talk about. I'd I'd love to know. Um, I feel like there's a big difference though between the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator in that okay, dirty is coming in. He's defensive coordinator, and in a lot of ways, he's still third man on the totem pole. We've heard McDonald say that he wants to call the defensive plays. We know Leslie Frazier's coming in with these decades of defensive experience. So I think it's a great situation for Dirty because yeah, in a way, he has less responsibility than almost any defensive coordinator in the NFL. And I I say that as a positive thing because I think that gives him room to grow into those. I think the plan would be that he would grow into those responsibilities as as the years go on. So, so there's that. But then the offensive side of the ball – it's like, okay, well, then the head coach and the assistant head coach are really focused on the defensive side. So in a way, the Seahawks offensive coordinator kind of has more responsibility than almost any other offensive coordinator in the NFL. And I just, I have, so, okay, what Pete would want us to do, and we would say Coach Mack would want us, would, would uh, want us to do this as well. Uh, this, I think this is, a new, this is a new approach to me, to being a sports fan, because sometimes coaches or players are on your team, and it's very easy to be critical of them. And I, I think it's a better approach to say, you know, unless something bad, you know, off the field happens, you know, I, I think it's better to say, hey, I, I, this is going to be my guy. He, he's going to be on our team. And I'm, I'm going to say that with Ryan Grubb. I'm going to be on his team. He's going to be on my team, the Seahawks. But I am. I was concerned as because it was such a long cycle of rumors that they were going to hire him, and I had some serious, serious concerns about his resume. And it wasn't just the fact that he hasn't coached in the NFL before. But um, all right, so we don't watch college football, right? I have some serious hangups with how Michael Penix uh, had an outstanding season, but this was his sixth year outside of high school. That is a really long time and it is a I think it I think you have to grade what UW did this season on a curve here's what some other quarterbacks have done recently in their sixth year out of high school Patrick Mahomes goes 11 and 3 six, 26 touchdowns five interceptions wins his first Super Bowl that was his sixth year out of high school all right Patrick Mahomes one of the best of all time we'll, we'll take it down a few notches Sam Darnold he has a winning record as a starter with Adam Gase as his head coach. Timeout. That was Darnold's fifth year out of high school. Five years out of high school, he has a winning record with Adam Gase. Mitch Trubisky, sixth year out of high school. 
He's 11 and 3 as a starter, and the Bears are ninth in the league in points per game. Trevor Lawrence just finished his sixth year out of high school. He's already top 200 all time in passes completed and passing yards. And Brock Purdy, you might have seen him on TV yesterday, taking Patrick Mahomes to overtime in the Super Bowl, also in his sixth year out of high school. I mean, imagine if these guys could go against. 19 and 20 year olds exclusively. Those that was a mix there of outstanding quarterbacks, disappointing quarterbacks. They've all accomplished something by their sixth year out of high school, which is really fast. Imagine the numbers they would put up if they were going all. If there was no, you know, there's a there's a menacing 30 year uh, 30 year old veteran on the worst NFL team, you know. But there's there's none of those guys in the college game. So I mean, it it is a big concern to me. I have even more, <laughs> but I don't know if I should go into it, but I don't know what you thought. I just was like, yeah, okay. Washington was good. Okay. I won't go through every number, but let me just say this. You, UW in 2023 is, is a mile behind where Brandon Whedon and his 2011 team was when he was in like, Brandon Whedon was like 26 or 27 yep. in 2011 uh, because he played minor league baseball for so long. Came back to college football, points uh, twelve more points per game. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. Oklahoma State with Brandon Whedon scored twelve more points per game. So you really had to grade Brandon Whedon on a curve. I think you really got to grade grade Michael Penix on a curve. And I was looking at it. Brandon Whedon's offensive coordinator was Todd Munkin, who was just the offensive coordinator for the Ravens. Oh, interesting. Uh, in this AFC Championship game, but after Todd Munkin. Uh, leads this offensive attack that scores 48 points per game. He gets promoted to head coach at Southern Miss in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, who had just gone 0-12. So that's that's a step up to being a head coach, but that uh, Ryan Grubb then takes a gigantic leap forward by being able to go all the way to the NFL after scoring 36 points per game. Uh, with the Huskies. I know Whedon had a few years on Penix, but I. it is nice to know that McDonald was very flexible and open-minded in his interviewing process, but it, it, it felt to me like a lot of people were watching the Huskies on Saturday on Root Sports and was like, oh, this is pretty good. Look at this guy. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. there's, well, there's more people than just who's in your backyard. So I will say this, a case for Grub, a two-part series. Um, this is the, the, my first thought when listening to Mike, everything you said, I think is really valid. One thing that Mike mentioned, um, I think I maybe today on the, on the interview was that he's been watching Ryan for a while from afar. So I, I think we have to be careful with, if this is Mike's decision, it's not necessarily his own backyard, right? It's not like he's super comfortable with Seattle sports and he's watching, he's a big UW fan. Like he's in Baltimore the last two years. He could probably care less about UW, but Ryan Grubb is a rising star in the college ranks. So I think he has been watching him from afar. You bring up a great point, though. He's never been an offensive coordinator in the NFL, and he did have – there's a reason why all of those guys came back to UW because you have, I mean, all of these monster players, Roma Dunze, um, Jalen McMillan, um, I mean, he had all of the weapons you could possibly want on the outside with wide receivers. He had, I mean, a great running back um, towards the end of the year. Um, and then obviously, to your point of an of experienced um, 
Michael Panix Jr. And so, I, I listen, I mean, yeah, this is not without risk. I completely agree. Um, I think this is one of those moments where it's like, all right, like, you're going to have to see if this is the right guy or not. And it might not be. I mean, it could be, yep, we're firing him halfway through the season because this is a disaster. Or it could be, yeah, it was all right, but it wasn't what we wanted. Or, you know, it could be great. It could be any number of things. It'll be interesting to see. I, I'm, as always with head coaches, I'm interested to see the philosophy and I'm interested to see how this works. I'm interested to see, he kept talking growth mindset. I think when you say open-minded, I think we're talking about the same thing. And I am kind of curious to see, does that turn out to be a great, I think it will be a great benefit to him. Um, but will there be growing pains? You know, will there be certain things that he realizes I probably shouldn't have been so open. I probably should have been a little bit more, you know, persnickety about things. So it'll be fascinating to see how this takes shape. It, it will be fascinating. Can I say something nice about Ryan Grubb? Cause I've gotten my complaints out of the way and now he's on our team. I'm going to, su- I want to support the man. You're a pro the- Grubb guy. You're a pro Grubb for sure. You're in. You're, you're the listeners witnessing the transformation right now. Yes. I'm a dubious grub because it wasn't anti. I was dubious. Never, never, but never. You anti. are hearing right now, and there might be an additional sound of a warping mm. effect. You're hearing my brain as I'm becoming a pro grub guy. This story with him and Caleb DeBoer and going from some of the smallest colleges in some of the smallest towns in America all the way to this gigantic stage over 20 years. It's very inspiring. Have Pretty you cool. been to South Dakota before? Because that's that was like their first college Falls, together right? was somewhere yeah. in South Dakota. Yeah. Have you been have you been to South Dakota? Never been. I've driven through South Dakota. It is logistically difficult to understand how anybody survives there because like the two cities of over fifty thousand people are like eight hours apart in the state. They're not that big. Yeah. That was where this started 20 years ago. If you said 20 years ago, you they're like this partnership is going to be just on national TV in the national championship game for one and then you're going to each escalate from there one to the NFL highly prestigious position and another to the the most prestigious head coaching position in all of college football. That that's unbelievable. That is a movie. That is yeah. a movie. Um yeah, I I'm, I'm inspired by it so yeah, all the talk about growth mindset, it, it made me feel like I was at a, another staff meeting back at the elementary school I used to work at. That's, that's a lot of elementary school meeting talk, but um, so I, <laughs> I don't think I don't think Coach Matt quite realized that. But uh, so, but um, you know what? Shout out to growth mindset because gosh darn it, Grub and DeBoer they they realized a dream here, and uh, there's something to be said about that too. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, you're right. There's something to be said for rising stars and for people that have put in the hard work and put in the time. I think all these guys have. Um, McDonald is is rising rather quickly. I believe it was last week, uh, Brock and Salk interviewed Joel Klatt, and he said something that really stood out to me, um, where he said that he, so three years ago, when, um, when Mike was the defensive coordinator at Michigan, Joel interviewed him like in prep for a game, right? Like, you know, the, the game prep before they, uh, they kick off or whatever, a couple of days before. And he said, 
after interviewing him for that game, he was like, oh, this guy's going to be a head coach someday. Like, there's no doubt. He's like, now I had no idea where it was going to happen. I didn't know when it was going to happen. But he was like, I knew that moment. Like, oh, yeah, this guy's a little different. Like, this is, which is kind of cool to hear. Like, someone who's been around a lot of head coaches and and done that interview for the TV job a lot. Um, I think that's kind of interesting. You know, it's like, yeah, this is one of those people. Like, they, you know, whatever that means. He, he's got that that extra gear of curiosity or that extra drive to, you know, put in those crazy hours that we heard Clint hurt talk about, you know, where it's like, they're, (laughs) they're basically living at their office. I mean, I, I just, he mentioned that on the phone, like he, or on the interview with Brock and Salk today, the idea that that the interview with Brock and Salk or when we were chatting with him on the phone, that was us. That was us. Yeah. yeah, It was during our, our private conversation with Mike that we did not want to broadcast because it was a private conversation. And we didn't forget to mention it until now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, no, but the idea like that he he mentioned today, like he told his wife, like, yeah, just just stay in Baltimore for a little while. He's like, I'm I'm pretty busy. Like, there's no reason for you to fly out here right now and just like, you know, twiddle your thumbs. Like, give give me a couple of weeks. And it goes to show, I mean, think about he talked about it like they did that introductory press conference. And then it's like, all right, let's go to the whiteboard. Let's start working on our coaching staff. It's nonstop. I mean, it's crazy to think what these dudes are willing to do. And how much work they're willing to put in. This is not a nine to five. This is a it's a it's kind of a twenty four seven job. It's wild. You know what I thought? Because that has been discussed quite a bit that they started work right away. I was like, at some point they do have to give this guy a full tour of the facility. Cause you wouldn't want to know like you have to not just how to get your way around, but what are the services and weight rooms and hot tubs offered to the players like you would, or, you know, I don't know. You know one, maybe it hasn't even happened yet. One thing he hasn't uh, um, addressed yet, which I would love to to see if he does, will he use Tyler Lockett as his real estate agent and and have those conversations already started um, to, to find him a home in Seattle? He's going to have to find a home. I, I would imagine touring homes with Tyler Lockett would be such a pleasure. I think it'd be so he, he, I think he would put you at ease while he's showing you different homes in different neighborhoods. I think that if I was coach, coach Mac, that you, when your wife finally flies into Seattle, having someone like Tyler be your real estate agent, it seems like a no brainer to me. I, if I was buying a house in Washington, I would look up Tyler immediately to be my agent. Here's just a pitch for you. Tyler Lockett will help you open it. The door to your future. Man, that was such a good pitch. My gosh. That, <laughs> that was, was a freebie. Well, I can't believe that was free. That's incredible. I love real um, estate. <laughs> yeah, no, you do. You've always been passionate about it. Um, well, I'm excited, man. I mean, I, I got to say I'm excited. I want to hear these coaches. I want to hear their vision. Um, and they have some decisions to make, right? So I believe what they have six days to make a choice on Gino if they pick up this contract or not. I'm assuming they will. I think you'd be crazy. Like Gino, Gino at the very least seems like the most secure, like stable foundational piece for like a, a new coaching staff. Like Gino seems like the perfect guy to like, even if you're like, hey, he's just a one year plan. It's like, well, yeah, pick up the option. That, and by the way, do you know, did, I don't know if you heard Brady Henderson talk about this by the, so Geno Smith currently is like 
around 18th in the league as far as like paid quarterbacks. And there's like 10 different, not 10, but like five or six different quarterbacks. So they're there that are about to get new contracts, guys like Tua, whatever. So by the time next year rolls around, by the time the football season starts in September, um, Gino's going to be like the 23rd paid quarterback in the league, which feels like an unbelievable bargain. Like he, I would say Gino's a top 15 quarterback and you're paying top 25 or 23 money. Like, yeah, good. I'm laughing over here because I totally agree with you. And I would have said the same thing about Pete Carroll. What a great foundation to roll into the next year on. Yeah. So I don't, so I'm hearing some discussion that's blowing my mind since, since we've, uh, my main man, Ryan Grubb, uh, his background is in college football. Mike McDonald was also in college football. So a lot of talk about will the Seahawks draft Michael Penix or JJ McCarthy from Michigan with their first round pick 16th overall. Now this stunned me. I was curious how often in NFL history, I was looking for a quarterback that had three things. Thing number one, they were picked between 10 and 20, which is where the Seahawks are. So in the, Yep. So the teams aren't a disaster, and they're not competing for the Super Bowl either. They're 10 to 20. Thing number two, they started a playoff game as a rookie. That's what the team wants, right? John Schneider announced that this was not a rebuilding situation. It's kind of unique to be with a new coach that expects to compete for the playoffs, but you want them to start a playoff game. Don't have to win it. Start a playoff game as a rookie. Thing number three, they have a winning record with the team that drafted them overall. That's a low bar, right? Yeah. Those three things. It's happened two times in NFL history. Hmm. Joe Flacco and Ben Roethlisberger. Those are the only two. For context, there's more guys who have won three Super Bowls. That's happened more than two times. So the idea that we like you're really shooting the moon with a quarterback, the discussion of trade additional draft assets to move up from 16. Folks, this defense had a lot of issues going on. If you trade up from your first round pick and you don't address the defense till the second round pick's gone because of Leonard Williams, wait till the third or maybe fourth round to draft a defensive player. I don't really think that that works. To draft a quarterback in the first round would shock me. It it seems irresponsible. Yeah, that's, dude, I mean, you make a great point. I, I can't. Uh, the idea of not getting a defensive player like right away seems insane. But I was saying the exact same thing last year. You have to get a defensive tackle in the first round and they went cornerback and wide receiver. So, it, I mean, you have no idea where these That's guys are going to go. And I mean, th- that was a big need last year and it turned out to be a problem. And then they had to get Leonard Williams. So, um, you know, th- now th- another interesting tidbit um, is this. Mike Morris, who never played a down for the Seahawks last year, I believe he was our fifth round pick defensive tackle that gained a lot of weight to go from defensive end to defensive tackle. He was on he was at Michigan with Mike on the on those on the defense that that he was the defensive coordinator. So, um, you know, does does Mike McDonald know something about him? And maybe, you know, it's like. Yeah, Mike Morris is, you know, going to be great. I don't know. I hope so. We got to figure some stuff out. We we got some we got to start just beefing up that line 
And uh, and yeah, I mean, big decisions. Do you keep Leonard Williams, right? Or do you, do you re-sign him? Do you figure out a way to keep Big Cat? Um, there's a lot. I mean, Jordan Brooks, Patrick Queen, Bobby Wagner. There's a, there's a lot of moving parts. I heard that Tyler Lockett is a really big cap number this year. So like, how do you work all these numbers out? You know, pretty crazy. You can't use Tyler as your real estate agent and then cut him. I don't think. Well, I guess you could, especially if it's a big enough house. Then maybe it's like, hey, hey, Tyler, take. Ooh, there it is. Tyler, take a pay cut. But you can be my real estate agent and I'm going to get the <laughs> biggest house in Mercer Island. That there you go. That's how you pay a guy under the table. Uh, maybe in an open concept table that that Tyler would be more than proud to show off. My gosh, I just I crack the code. I just feel like I I should I'm going to call John Schneider real fast just so I can let him know that's that's how we make this all work. Okay. <laughs> it's a big commission check. I mean, you know, they they real I can see the light bulb going well. off above his head as yeah. he, as you talk to him. Yeah, no, that's just my my. Well, the light's a little faulty, so it flickers no, a no, little above bit. His head, I'm just like, ah, oh, finally, there it is. Yeah, there it is. Oh my gosh! Well, it's gonna be fun, man. It'll be a fun season. It'll be fun to watch these guys do their thing. Can I address some some slander that I'm hearing from the legends of of the past as as they go they go on into this good retirement? Oh yeah, I haven't heard so, any of this because. Um, so Mike McDonald, we got the flexible scheme, and and boy, what what a contrast to Pete Carroll, who's very famous for playing the same defense and to and with with amazing results and with less than amazing results over the last few years. So because of the contrast, I think it's been very easy for people to criticize Pete Carroll. Do you know where the Seahawks rank in the last five years in the NFL in total wins? I mean, pretty doing pretty well. I, I would, which people would say it's probably the worst five years of his tenure. You know, a team yeah, in decline. Know. You know, the defense with all these holes in it, inflexible, doesn't pay attention to analytics. You know, yeah, they're tied no, for eighth. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So that was like the bad part quote of of Pete Carroll's tenure. So I know that in a lot of ways. Like for as much as you want to say about it not feeling modern or being modern or not analytically savvy, we've discussed the most important part before, which is that when he retired, there was all these guys going to dinner with him from all over the country to fly in. That's the real winning. And he did the on the field winning too, eighth in the last five years. That's pretty crazy to get fired after. Hey, over the last five years, uh, by the way, in the middle of which I traded this Hall of Fame quarterback, Away, we're still eighth in the league, uh, tied uh, tied with the Buccaneers for eighth. Uh, so the Buccaneers had Brady for three years. Seahawks traded away Russell Wilson. Ended up tied over the last five years for for wins. It's pretty wild. Yeah, it's it is pretty wild. I mean, Pete was a great coach. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's weird and yet somewhat understandable. It's is very strange. Okay, and last one about so this. <laughs> So I'm sorry I talk about Bill Belichick so much. Here's, here's why. There are thousands and thousands of men who have played and coached in the NFL. And all they've wanted to do is win the Super Bowl, as many Super Bowls as possible. And there's one man who has more than any other man. 
and his name is Bill Belichick. And I understand he had a losing year last year. It was <laughs> one of <laughs> – there's not very many in his 40-plus years coaching in the NFL. I I feel – I mean, <laughs> sorry. That's why I'm so interested in the guy. I think, I think it's pretty interesting. People were really eager to see him get kicked to the curb. I don't totally understand why. Um, I really appreciate what you said last time about how Belichick – he made for an unappealing coaching candidate in 2024 because of his recent history of hiring coordinators. Mm-hmm. But talk about staying in the same network. It was this ongoing cycle. You could you could see it coming for a year away. Yeah. A prominent Patriots assistant gets hired somewhere else. It doesn't go well. They get fired. There's a spot for them back in New England. Yep. If that's the reason he didn't get a job this year, I appreciate that. But I know it's been very popular to post the stat of Bill Belichick's record without Tom Brady, which is a losing record. Yeah. Here's my stat. Michael, and I'm, I'm, you'll, you'll see I've memorized this one. <laughs> so Michael Jordan played five years in the NBA without Scottie Pippen. Okay. He had a losing record all five years. Scottie Pippen played seven years in the NBA without Michael Jordan. He had a winning record six of those years. So when you look at Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen, it's a straight losing record. When you look at Scottie Pippen without Michael Jordan, it's a huge winning record and a lot of playoff series wins too. So therefore, Scottie Pippen's better than Michael Jordan, right? Yep. Right? Say no more. I get it. So, yeah. So Analytics. I, I, so if... I, this this thing about Belichick having the worst record, it just totally ignores the arcs of their careers. It cuts out 20 years or they were winning every time together. And it just, it's not, it's that stupid. stat is frustrating it's, me so much. It's lazy. Is I think it frustrates you because it's lazy. It's lazy analysis. It's not looking at the full picture. No, I, I agree. I mean, Bill Belichick's a good coach, but now he's just going to be hanging out at UW all the time. So that's good. He'll just be. That is pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> him, him, and Pete Carroll will just—they're going to start doing booster events together. <laughs> so weird, so weird, man. Well, I'm excited. It's going to be a fun season. Um, and like you know, the NFL it owns all the real estate throughout the throughout the year. So we are what, like a month away from the NFL draft, which is hilarious. It's like the media machine will just keep going. Yeah, and it seems like it, it will be very compelling. I think one of the reasons McDonald's working so hard and not um, doesn't have a house to live in at this point, or I'm curious where he is staying the night if he leaves the facility. But I think one of the reasons he's doing that is, is he is evaluating. I, I talk about being flexible. I think all sorts of options are on the table in terms of 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 players who will stay and players who won't and we'll learn about that before the draft happens and and th- there's a lot there've been a lot of compelling decisions the Seahawks have made in the last month and they're not going to stop anytime soon. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be fast and furious and throughout this whole time it's going to be scary for a lot of Seahawks fans out there miles. There's there's not really any place for them to go. There's not any podcasts out there readily available for them to get this information, but there is one. It's the only one. And 
we're not even saying that it's the best that could ever be, but it is your only option. And that's this podcast. So um, thanks everyone for just continuing to listen, even though we know that it's the only Seahawks podcast available to listen to as far as we know. And as far as our research has shown, we, we still appreciate everyone listening. We do. We apologize. It's the only podcast. And we also say you're welcome that it's the only podcast kind of at the same time. Yeah, we welcome other podcasters to start talking about Seahawks football. And we hope that that happens. We we open arms over here. But until then, um, thank you for listening to the only Seahawks podcast that we're aware of. And um, go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>